Welcome to the Essential Tennis Podcast. If you love tennis and want to improve your game, this podcast is for you. Whether it's technique, strategy, equipment, or the mental game, tennis professional Ian Westerman is here to make you a better player. And now, here's Ian. Hi, and welcome to the Essential Tennis Podcast, your place for free, experts, tennis instruction that can truly help you improve your game. Today's episode of the Essential Tennis Podcast is brought to you by TennisExpress.com. Well, thank you very much for joining me on today's show, and we have two excellent listener questions to talk about, both having to do with being on the run and still trying to hit good shots in your tennis play. Before we get to those, I want to tell you guys about a new section of EssentialTennis.com that just went up. Well, it's not so much a, a new section, just a, a remade section, and that is the podcast section. The entire podcast section of EssentialTennis.com just got redone and was live as of yesterday. And I want to tell you guys a little bit about it because there's some new features that are awesome, and it's going to make listening to the podcast much easier and finding podcasts much much more easy as well. So four quick things. Number one, there's now a player, a podcast player for each episode. So you guys can play it right there in the podcast section, or you can you can do a, a pop-out player as well, meaning that you click the pop-out button and it comes out away from the page. And so if you're at work or wherever and you just want to make it a, a separate little player off on the side, you can do that, which is pretty cool. You can now leave comments for each of the episodes, which I think is awesome as well. So if you guys have feedback or thoughts about each individual show, you can leave them there and I'll see those and respond to you guys. Thirdly, the transcripts for each show are now integrated into the post. So you guys will have a, a post for each episode. You have the MP3 file that you can download or listen to there or pop it out as a player. And you can download and read the transcript for each episode right there in the post as well, which is cool. The the transcripts were all separate before. And I think most importantly, lastly, there are now categories. Every show has been categorized, all 145 shows. And I'm going to read through the categories real quickly. Approach and net play, beating pushers, doubles strategy, fitness and conditioning, footwork and positioning, gear and equipment, general game development, general strategy, ground stroke technique, injuries and sports medicine, mental toughness, overhead technique, practicing, return of serve, serve and volley, serve strategy, serve technique, singles strategy, and volley technique. Those are all different categories, and under each of those categories are many shows. And so you guys can now browse through the whole catalog of Essential Tennis Podcasts Find exactly what you're looking for or exactly what you're looking for information on and download that show about whatever piece of your game that you're trying to improve. I think that's probably the biggest improvement. And guys, there's there's a ton of good information in these podcast archives. I personally went through and categorized every show that that's available, all 145 episodes. And which was a lot of work, by the way, but it just made me realize how much content is there now. It's ridiculous. There's over 80 hours of shows and about just about any topic that you guys want to learn about. So take advantage of it. Go check, just go check it out. See all the new features 
leave some comments on shows, and enjoy the new section of the site. I hope that it's more functional and, and you guys deserve a better, uh, better podcast section. So I hope that this does it for you guys. All right, let's get down to business. Sit back, relax, and get ready for some great tennis instruction. All right, let's go ahead and get started with our first question on today's episode of the Essential Tennis Podcast. And it comes to us from Malin, who posts in the forums at EssentialTennis.com, and he's located in the UK. He wrote and said, You see the pros getting amazing shots back when they are running at full stretch, including some distinctively different moves to those they play for more under-control shots. It seems to me that the ability to play defensively and get back shots that pummel the corners is one of those skills that distinguish the great players from the okay ones. What kind of drills can you do with a partner and or with a ball machine that will better equip you to be able to improve defensive shots like these? Additionally, what are the top tips for how to play effectively when you're on the defense? That's a really good question, Malin, and I I can't say that we have had a question about specifically defensive shots that may be a new category <laughs> in the uh, the new podcast section at EssentialTennis.com. But it's a really good question, and being able to play defensively, you're, you're absolutely right, is a big distinguisher even among top players. Players that are able to, when I say top players, I mean professional players, being able to just get the ball back in play sometimes is all it takes and is the difference between winning and losing a match. And it's not that you always have to crush the ball and hit it super aggressively. Very often you need to play defensively as well. So we're going to talk about, let's see, one, two, three, four main areas that you need to be good at in order to play good defensive tennis. And I'm really happy about this outline. I I think this is going to give you guys some really, really good practical information here and things that you guys can go and apply to your games right away or you know not 100% but start working on these things to try to uh, improve this part of your game. So number 1, area number 1 that needs to be improved to improve your defensive skills is identification. Early identification can absolutely make the difference between winning and losing points where your opponent is attacking and you are on the defense. And I have four different things that players that are good at defense are constantly watching for. And these are things that might sound obvious, but all of you guys should be paying close attention to these four things because they will give you tips and keys on when an aggressive shot is coming from your opponent. The first step to being able to play good defense is seeing that you're about to be put in a defensive position and kind of put yourself on high alerts and really be prepared to do what's necessary next to get the ball back, which we'll also talk about. So four things that you need to watch for that fall under the category of identification. Number one, your opponent's position on the court. If they're five feet behind the baseline, most of you don't have anything to worry about when your opponent is in that spot. Now, if you're a 4-5 or five player or a 5-0 player going by the NTRP ratings guidelines, which is top you know, 5 to 10% of, of players, of recreational players, 
it's possible that from five feet behind the baseline, your opponent could attack. But most of you listening don't have to worry about that. But on the other hand, if your opponent is five feet inside the baseline, they now start to have the ability to hit a shot consistently that could hurt you, that could put you in a defensive position. And so it might, might seem obvious, but you have to pay close attention to where your opponent is on the court, and that is largely going to dictate to them whether or not they're able to attack and put you in a tough spot. Number two, your opponent's balance. Just because they're well inside the baseline doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be able to attack. If it's a short ball that you gave them and they're having a hard time getting to it, then more than likely they're not going to hit a super offensive shot and they're going to be trying to just get it back in play. So notice their balance. If they're well inside the baseline, but clearly off balance, meaning that they're kind of on a, a dead run and you know leaning over to get to the ball and they just don't look comfortable, not a whole lot to worry about. Uh, on the other hand, it's very possible that they could hit a short, weak shot back if they're really struggling to get to the ball. So another reason to really pay attention to what their balance is like. But if they're set up early before the ball gets to their strike zone and they look like they are you know, ready to go, their body is coiled, their feet are in a wide stance, and they're not having to reach for the ball, and they're nice and they just look solid, and they're ready to go with their swing, you might want to watch out for what's coming next, because they're, they're ready to hit as good of a shot as possible, especially when you combine balance with a good court position, you probably have some stuff to worry about. <laughs> uh, number three, your opponent's preparation with the racket. And what I mean by that is technique. If they are taking their racket back, pointing up towards the sky or towards the ceiling with their body in a strong rotation, then look for a topspin or drive shot. If they're setting the racket up, you know, with, with the rackets um, above the ball with an open racket face or behind the ball with an open racket face, they're getting ready to slice the ball. And it's not that you can't hit a good shot with a slice. You, you can attack with a slice. But it's more likely that if they're setting up for a drive or topspin shot, that they're getting ready to attack, especially when you combine with that the two previous things. If they're in good balance, they're in a, a offensive court position, and they're setting up for a topspin or drive type shot, watch out. You combine those three things, and you better be alert and prepared for a defensive situation. Lastly, number four, you need to know your opponent's strengths and patterns. Everybody you play is going to be a little bit different. And everybody you play has different abilities to attack in different situations. And everybody you play has different patterns, meaning they get this shot in this position on the court. They set up in this way with their racket. And usually it results in this shot. And everybody will have patterns like that. And if you can pay close attention during the match, to what they're doing in each of those different criteria and start and pay good enough attention that you, you notice patterns as far as what they try to do when each of those things you know, matches up with, with this scenario and you know what I'm saying? Uh, that can go a long, long way to identifying what's coming next and being able to play good defense. So you put all these things together, noticing your opponent's position, their balance, their preparation, you pay attention to their patterns. You put all the, those things together and you have what's known as anticipation. 
Yeah, and you, you hear that word thrown out during uh, professional matches a lot. That means basically knowing what's coming next. Uh, you, you're able to anticipate what shot is coming from your opponent next. And that's incredibly valuable when a defensive shot is needed next. Because if you waste a split second of time after your opponent attacks and you don't anticipate what's coming and you're being completely reactionary, the chances of you hitting a good shot back are extremely poor. And so you need to pay close attention to all of those different things I just talked about. And that all falls under the category of identification. So that's thing, no, thing number one when it comes to being defensive and getting these types of shots back. All right, section number two of my outline is you have to make an objective decision to go for the ball. No subjective decisions. Let me uh, tell you guys a quick story that will um, outline exactly what I'm talking about. When I was playing in college, one of the coaches that I have, uh, that I had rather, would make us do push-ups when, when we were playing a point out and our opponent hit a shot that landed close to the line but out and we didn't run for the ball. <laughs> All right. So, so in other words, our opponent hit a shot. Uh, let's say it was me. I, I stood there and I, I read that it was going out. So I, I kind of knew it was going out. Let's say it landed out by a foot and I was standing there in the middle of the baseline watching it bounce. Let's say it, it landed on the ad side a foot wide of the court and I was standing there watching it land out. Not, in other words, not going for the ball. I called it out. It was out and I would have to do push-ups. <laughs> Why? Because what if my judgment was a little bit off? on that particular shot? And what if it actually landed in and hit the line? It had more topspin than I thought it did. Maybe my opponent you know, kind of shanked it a little bit and had more spin than, than I thought, and it actually landed in. And I, I got caught just standing there watching a ball that I thought was going out, but I, I could have gotten there for, and it was in. Well, that's a terrible mistake. That's giving away a point completely free without even trying or putting in any effort and it's not acceptable. And this is something that since college, I have absolutely tried to instill in my students. And this is something that all of you listening should be trying to develop as well. And that is you should not be making a subjective decision based on whether or not you will go for the ball. You will make a um, objective decision, meaning that you will go for the ball. It doesn't matter what opinions you might have about about the shot that's coming towards you you're gonna you're going to react and you're gonna make some kind of move now here's four different times that you should not be using your brain to try to figure things out you should not be using subjective decision making you shouldn't be trying to form an opinion about whether or not you should go here's four different specific um, circumstances where that might be the case number one you think the ball is going to hit the net and emphasis on you think. <laughs> you don't know the ball is going to hit the net for sure until it does. So if the ball hits six inches below the top of the net and you're not already moving for it, if you haven't already taken two steps forwards when the ball hits six inches below the top of the net, then you made a subjective decision. When it's, when it's within that you know, close of, of a distance from making it over or not, you should just automatically be moving forwards 
anticipating that the ball is going to be short if it does make it over or if it hits the net cord and makes it over you should already be running you shouldn't start running after it hits that net and and is trickling over you should already be running because you see that the ball is low and it's going to be close to the net and it might not make it over and so you might burn some extra calories by running two steps forwards and then it hits the net that's fine. In fact, that's great. It's a good habit, and you're going to get some more balls when you stop thinking, oh, it's going to hit the net, and not not running, and then you get surprised when it does make it over, and you're just standing there. Number two, when you think the ball is going to be out, and that was the situation I described uh, using myself as an example. Number three, you think that your partner will be able to reach it. This is in doubles. Maybe your partner is getting lobbed. You see them go back, and, the, and they intend to get the ball, and they reach for it, and they, they can't reach it. And you're standing there watching them. And so they go for it, they miss it, and it's a ball that you could have, if, if you went right away, probably could have got a racket on, but you're standing there watching them, assuming that they are going to be able to get it back. But, but they can't, it, it turns out. And number four, you think it's your partner's shot, again, in doubles. And this happens a lot when the ball goes down the middle, and both players stand there, you know, and just turn their head and look at their partner and the ball goes right between them and neither of them even go for it because there was an assumption there on both their parts that the other person was going to get it. And that's unacceptable. Both players should be going for it, period, immediately. And if it turns out that it's obvious as you guys are moving towards the ball that one person's going to get there first, great. That person can take it, but you both should be making an initial move. It should be an objective decision. You will move for the ball. And this is uh, section number two of getting better at playing defensive type shots. You have to move immediately. If you waste any time by thinking about it or assuming the ball is going to be out or in the net or your partner has it or whatever, you are going to give away points that could have been winnable if you had just gone for the ball without thinking about it. Just go for it. All right. So that's number two. Number one was identification, started, starting to pay closer attention to what's coming next. Number two was making an objective decision to go for the ball no matter what. Number three, make a commitment to 100% effort. Please start doing this. I urge all of you listening. And listeners to, to, to this show, if you're listening to my voice right now, you're way more dedicated than the average tennis player. You are. You wouldn't be listening to this. You wouldn't have taken the, the time and the effort to go to the internet and do a search for tennis instruction or maybe look specifically for a tennis podcast or maybe you just heard from a friend about this show. And you know what? It takes some effort to go online, download it, put it on your iPod or on your, your phone or whatever, and then take, set the, the time aside to listen to it or play it during your commute. So just the fact that you're listening to my voice tells me that you're, you're working harder than the average player to begin with to try to get yourself better. But those of you listening still need to make sure that you're giving an honest 100% effort to run for the ball every time it gets hit. And in my experience, recreational players, this is probably the number one thing. This combined with the decision to just go for every ball if you combine the decision to just go every time the ball gets hit by your opponent and you combine that with 100% effort and you really give an honest effort to go as hard as you can and as fast as you can towards the ball, if you combine those two things, you will improve your game drastically. 
seriously. If you just commit to hustling and you go for every ball and running hard, which is what uh, point number three is here, just, just going 100%, honestly, it's, it's its own skill. It's a totally separate tennis skill. And the more that you do it, the better you'll become at just going all out and going 100%. And certain players, even at the professional level, are just known for doing this. Certain players go all out more than others. And who's the player that you think about? When I say certain players run hard for every single ball, everybody immediately thinks about Nadal, right? And if you didn't, you don't watch much professional tennis. (laughs) Nobody hustles harder than that guy. Nobody runs for every single ball like that guy, 100%. And that's part of what makes him so incredibly difficult to beat is his work ethic and his commitment to just running for every single ball. So next time you go out to play, whether it be competition or practice, make a commitment to yourself that you will run 100% for every ball until it bounces twice. And I don't care if the ball is on the completely other side of the court. Maybe you misread it and it's in a different spot on the court than you thought it was going to. I I don't care if by the time it bounces twice, you're still 10 feet away and you're literally not even close and you feel dumb for, for running all that ways and you didn't even get close to the ball. Do me, j- just promise me that the next time you go out, just try it once for an hour. Run for every ball until it bounces twice or until it lands out or until it hits the net or until your partner gets it. And it was, you know, it was a little bit unsure whether or not they were going to have it. And you ran anyway, just to cover and make sure that, that somebody was going to get it. Do it every time. And number one, you're going to be more tired than you ever have been before after playing tennis. Number two, you're going to put your, your body in better shape. The more you do it, it's going to condition your body to be faster and to be stronger. And number three, you'll, you'll get faster. You will condition your body to to react quicker, get to full speed faster, and you're going to get to more balls when you make a commitment to just run for everything 100% and not like half speed at first and then realize, oh, it's a little farther away than I thought. And and then you end up having to just try 100% for the last couple of steps because you realize that it's farther away than you realized. No, just go all out. And if you get to the ball earlier than you thought, great. You get to set up, be in a little bit better balance, hopefully. If you're not used to running 100% all the time, it might you know, throw you off balance a little bit. But as you guys continue to do it, you'll get better at it. And it's a skill that you can get, you know, it's a skill that you can improve. All right. And that brings me to the end of number three, making a commitment to 100% effort. And last section here, number four, I'm going to talk about technique having to do with getting these defensive shots back. And my whole point here is going to be you need to do whatever it takes to put the, to put the ball in play. Now, you should still be trying to hit the best shot possible, but you need to be, in, you need to be reasonable about it. When Well, here, I'll, I'll go in, in order here that I have. Let's talk about minor emergencies and major emergencies. And a minor emergency would be your opponent has hit a good shot, you're definitely having to hustle to get to it, and it's going to be some work, and it's we're going to call it a defensive situation, but it's not you know all out having to dive for it and stretch for it, and even then, you're not even sure if you're going to get to the ball, but you're going to put your racket out there. That would be a major emergency. 
minor emergency, your opponent still has hit a good shot, but you're able to get there relatively easily. You're still having to really bust your butt to get there, but it's it's not, you know, you're barely getting to the ball. You, you're going to get there, but it's not easy. Hopefully you guys see what I'm talking about. Um, you should still be trying to use a driving or a topspin type swing whenever possible. And I talked about this briefly, uh, I believe it was last week. Whenever you can, I, I'm encouraging to my students to, to make st- still try to drive the ball and, and hit a relatively solid shot, but it should be at a very high percentage-based speed, meaning if your typical rally ball or kind of a neutral rally ball back and forth is like 70% of your ability to hit the ball, if 100% is hitting the ball as hard as you can and 50% is half speed, your typical rally ball should probably be somewhere around 70 or 80%. Confident speed, definitely not as hard as you can, but but more than halfway. You, you should be hitting the ball nice and solid. In, a, in an emergency or a defensive type position, that should definitely come down. And I would say in a minor emergency, you should probably be hitting the ball like 50% because we just need to make sure the ball gets in play. This is not an easy shot. And it's where we want to play the highest percentage shot possible. So that means being conservative as far as the speed that you hit the ball at. And you should also be aiming the ball at a high percentage target. So if you're playing singles, definitely aim cross courts or just back to the middle of the court. Give yourself high margin for error over the, over the top of the net. Uh, so you should not be hitting an 80% swing a foot over the net down the line <laughs> when you're in an emergency situation, even if it's just a minor emergency. It's just not smart. You're going to make a lot of mistakes that way. And the, the more of a defensive position you're in, the safer of a shot you should be trying to play, period. Because we, we just need to make sure we just put the ball in play. And now let's talk about major emergencies. This is where you you have to try 100%. Maybe you even anticipated where it's going. You made an immediate move for the ball. You went 100%, and you're still barely going to get there. In this kind of situation, this is where you want to use your slice, which is a, a safer shot, an easier technique, you know, swing just to get the ball in play. Or maybe even just open your racket face and just push it back. Not even a slice, but but just play a just a purely defensive shot and just push it up in the air to buy yourself some time. When when it's a big time emergency, be smart and use safer technique like this. So open the racket as I mentioned a second ago. Use a very high percentage target. So you should be aiming five six feet over the net to make sure it makes it over. Just aim for the middle of the courts, or if you can get it cross courts, that that would be great. It would give you some more margin for error because it's going to be a longer courts when you go cross courts. Put it up in the air, make sure it gets over the net, and even if it gives your opponent an easy shot, please do it this way, because we just basically want to give them another chance to screw up. <laughs> hit them another ball, challenge them to have to hit a winner to finally win the point, and force them to have to, to really earn it and put it away. Uh, if you go for kind of the sucker play, and try to end the point yourself in a really defensive position, you might come up with an incredible shot once in a while, but you're going to make more mistakes than the points that you win. And it's definitely not going to come out in your favor in the long run. Now, uh, the, the last thing I want to say before I wrap up today's show is, is this kind of varies a little bit based on level of play. 
if you're a, a pure you know beginner or moving up towards an intermediate level of play so here in the u.s the ntrp scale it would be uh you know a 2.0 or 2.5 would be beginner and 3.0 towards 3.5 would be intermediate if you're somewhere in there you need to take the advice i just gave you play high percentage shots when you're in an emergency situation even if that means feeding it right to your opponent maybe even right to their strengths where they're good at putting the ball away they're going to miss it sometimes and if they're not good at putting the ball away, maybe they'll even miss it a large percentage of the time. And so you'll earn those points even without hitting a great shot. But you're smart enough to just put it in play. On the other hand, if you are a 4-0 player, 4-5 player, so kind of stronger intermediates or an advanced uh, level of player, there comes a time when you get start getting up towards those levels of play that just giving your opponent an easy shot and saying to them, here you go, I, you know, try to put it away. I'm going to challenge you to finish the point and hit that winner to, to win the point. You, once we start getting up towards four or five, those players will have no problem with that. And they'll say, okay, sure. And they'll make it 95% of the time. <laughs> Maybe they'll miss one you know, per set or something like that. When you start getting up towards that level of play, unfortunately, even in these defensive positions, you still have to try to hit a relatively solid shot. And uh, you still have to try to challenge your opponent, even though you're in a really tough spot. And I think that a lot of times recreational players put that pressure on themselves way before they get to the level where it's actually necessary. So what I mean by that is maybe you're a 3-0 player, you're in a really defensive spot, uh, you see your opponent in a balanced position on the court, and you know that if you just put it in play, they're going to have a chance to put the next one away. And at a 3-0 level, some of you are saying, oh, no, I can't just give it back to them. They're going to put it away. And you go for that down-the-line you know, winner on the run, and it's totally not necessary. It can be difficult to give, kind of give it up and, and just give it to our opponents. But those of you at a beginner or intermediate level need to do it more often. If you're at a 4-5 level, fine. You need to put some pressure on your opponent, even when you're on the run here. And there's not a whole lot of, you know, not, a, not really any way around it because they're, they're a good enough opponent that they'll have no problem putting the ball away if you give them an easy shot. Um, so anyway, my point is it depends on your level, what you should be going for. The majority of you guys should just be trying to play a purely defensive shot. All right. So quick overview. And again, uh, Malin in the forums, excellent topic. It's made for a great discussion, uh, lots of good information for you guys. Hopefully, you guys have enjoyed the show. Um, as an overview, four main elements of being good at playing defensive shots. Number one, identification, paying close attention to your opponents, their tendencies, their balance, their position on the courts. Number two, making an objective decision to go for the ball. Do not think about it. Do not form an opinion in your head about whether or not you'll be able to get there or whether or not it's going to hit the net, or whether or not your partner's going to get it. Just move. Just go. Start making a reaction immediately. Number three, make a commitment to 100% effort on every single shot. Every shot. Hustle. And number four, technique. Do whatever it takes to put the ball in play, even if that means giving an easy shot to your opponent up until a certain level of play. So, there you go. Uh, there's some really actionable things that you guys can go and start adding to your game. 
to, to help you guys improve in these situations and get better. I hope you guys enjoyed this discussion. And Mal, and again, thank you very much for being a listener in the UK. Excellent question. And hopefully this is going to be helpful to you. All right. That does it for episode number 145 of the Essential Tennis Podcast. Thank you very much for listening to today's show. I appreciate having you as a listener, no matter where you might be or when you might be listening to my voice. I appreciate your support of the show by just by listening. <laughs> I really do appreciate it. Go check out the new podcast section at EssentialTennis.com. I think it's a huge improvement, and I hope it, it really makes the listening experience and just the the whole process of, of getting the show and, and listening to it. I, I hope it makes it easier and more enjoyable. Please uh, feel free to give me some feedback if, if you guys enjoy it or think that there's areas that need to be improved still or you know any suggestions, please feel free to let me know. My email address is ian, I-A-N, at essentialtennis.com. Okay, that does it for this week. Take care, everybody, and good luck with your tennis.